Well, Health Minister Chen Shih-chung on Thursday said Taiwan was very close to finalizing a deal to acquire Molnupiravir. It's a treatment developed by U.S. pharma firm Merck that has shown promise at treating COVID. Chen also said that five medical centers in Taiwan will be taking part in trials for a drug that could prevent COVID infection after exposure to the virus. Medical experts say they hope Taiwan's participation in the trials will speed up purchase negotiations down the line. Earlier this month, Merck announced it had applied for emergency use authorization for an experimental oral use COVID treatment. Health Minister Chen Shih-chung says that the government has been in talks with Merck to acquire the treatment and could soon sign an agreement. Pharma firm Pfizer is also trialing a COVID treatment that may prevent infection among people who have been exposed to the virus. Several medical centers in Taiwan will be taking part in its phase three trials. The trials have yet to begin as we presently understand it. We have asked them to report on the matter. Trials for the Pfizer oral treatment will recruit about 2,660 subjects worldwide. The treatment will be administered with a low dose of ritonavir, a legacy medication widely used in combination treatments for HIV infections. Five hospitals in Taiwan, including National Taiwan University Hospital, Far Eastern Memorial Hospital, and China Medical University Hospital, have been involved in a trial plan since early September. Experts say they hope their participation will speed up negotiations and procurement down the line. Presently, the pandemic can be said to be in a more stable situation, so recruiting subjects has become more difficult these days. Taiwan's vaccine drive is moving forward at full speed, with more than 4 million shots to be administered in the 12th round of vaccinations. With two administration phases and several brands being administered at the same time, some are wondering whether that's a recipe for errors. It is recommended that the vaccines be administered on different days or different time slots. That way, you can be sure that there is only one kind of vaccine being administered during each time slot. That could prevent medical errors. Each vaccine's time slots were decided based on the availability of vaccine stocks as well as cold storage capacity at local government agencies and medical facilities. We had no choice but to divide up vaccination times. For the public, all they need to do is wait to be notified via text message and then make an appointment. Minister Chun stressed that the government's priority was to administer vaccines as quickly as shipments permit. He says the system may have put burdens on local governments, but that meetings have been held to address any issues. Taiwan is on track to hit 70% first-dose coverage and 30% second-dose coverage by the end of the month. The National Police Agency on Thursday held a drill to showcase its latest advancements at countering terrorist threats. About 58 officers took part in the exercises, including members of the Special Ops Squad, trained dogs, and a bomb disposal unit. A highlight of the drill were armored vehicles that allowed officers to enter low-rise buildings through several points during raids. Let's take a look. A drill is underway, simulating a terrorist attack on a second-hand car dealership. The assailants are suspected to be armed and holding people hostage. Members of the public rush out of the building. The National Police Agency's Special Operations Group arrives at the scene in an armored vehicle and then subdues all attackers. Amid concerns of explosive devices at the scene, trained dogs are dispatched to detect their location. 
Now, on to another drill, a clandestine factory illegally manufacturing guns. The armored vehicle deploys ladders from the roof to allow the special ops squad to enter the building. This is the anti-terrorism center established by the Ministry of the Interior's National Police Agency. Altogether, 58 officers took part in the large-scale drills on Thursday. Members of the Internal Administration Committee at the Legislative Yuan were present at the scene to oversee the exercises. The Anti-Terrorism Center has trained a lot of outstanding police officers and law enforcement personnel. That is a big morale boost for society, so that we can all continue living in peace. Another vehicle at the scene was a truck mounted with a ladder, which debuted at the National Day Parade last Sunday. The vehicle can be used in missions in low-rise building. The top is fitted with two platforms having ladders, which can be extended in any direction. The aerial ladders are quickly secured with fewer staff required, taking just 10 seconds to fully extend. The vehicle itself is also very fast, reaching speeds in excess of 100 kilometers per hour, making for speedy deployment. Meanwhile, this armored vehicle is equipped with super-thick armor and bulletproof glass capable of stopping a 12.7 caliber bullet. The vehicle can carry up to 10 fully outfitted special ops officers and has 13 gun holes to shoot through. The truck also has a stealth mode switch to prevent detection at night. The armored vehicle is there to protect the assault team. The latter truck's main function is to provide access from several points in raids. These two vehicles are part of our lineup at the NPA Special Operations Group. They greatly upgrade our capabilities for keeping the public order. The squad is trained to mitigate violent attacks and hostage situations among other missions, boosting Taiwan's defenses against terrorist attacks. The Foreign Ministry on Thursday confirmed it had received an invitation from the Czech Senate for Minister Joseph Wu to visit the Czech Republic later this month. The ministry says it will look over the details and plan uh, of the plan and announce more details soon. Let's hear from the ministry. Minister Wu did indeed receive the relevant invitation and has already instructed the Taiwan Representative Office and the Czech Republic to coordinate the arrangements. How do we go about taking the single instance of Taiwan-Czech mutual action or friendship and turn it into something more systematic, into something that has long-term benefits for the bilateral relationship? I think we can make plans based on this. Earlier this year, the Czech Senate passed a resolution to strengthen its ties with Taiwan. And more cl uh, cl uh, close cooperation could be to come as pro-Taiwan parties recently won a majority in the Czech Chamber of Deputies earlier this month. Wu's visit to the Czech Republic could be a further boost to friendly exchanges between the two countries. Former KMT lawmaker George Xie has announced his bid to run for Geelong mayor in the 2022 local elections. Xie made the announcement on Thursday, saying he will find creative ways to create employment in the city. The local DPP headquarters says that having been away from the city for more than five years, Xie is not entirely clear on residents' needs. Former KMT lawmaker George Xie has thrown his hat in the ring for the 2022 Geelong mayoral election. In the future, I want to do two things. The first is I want to turn Geelong into the city in Asia with the most love. The second is I hope to use a creative approach and creative thinking to create more employment in Geelong, to create more income. Xie has previously served three terms as a lawmaker. 
In 2016, he began investing in the arts and performance industry, funding film and television productions. Now, five years later, he's ready to get back to the business of politics. Xie says he's been preparing for this moment for a long time. I've been involved at the local level for more than three years, from caring for the people of Jilong and throwing myself into the public welfare. So I think it's time to make the announcement. This morning, I wrote a post on Facebook and I sent it to Chairman Chu. I'm confident I will get Chairman Eric Chu's blessing. Xie is not the only one to have expressed intentions to run in Jilong's mayoral race. Local district legislator Tsai Shiying from the DPP has also said he's intending to run. Speculation also surrounds the potential for lawmaker at large Chiu Chengyuan to join the race for both the DPP and the Taiwan People's Party. Every person is free to run for mayor, but being the first to announce it doesn't mean you will win. Former lawmaker George Xie has been away from Jilong for more than five years, and now suddenly he announces that he's running for mayor. With his disinterest in Jilong, can he really understand what the people of Jilong actually want? We will continue keeping our affairs in order and get more locals to get to know the Taiwan People's Party and obtain their endorsement to give my team and me the opportunity to serve the people of Jilong. Who will take the baton for Mayor Lin Youtang? The race for mayor has gotten off to an early start in the northeastern city. Taiwan chipmaking giant TSMC announced two new highs on its earnings call on Thursday. Third quarter net profit reached 156.26 billion NT dollars, and earnings per share topped out at 6.03 NT dollars. Gross margin also reversed direction, coming in at 51.3% and putting an end to a downward slide. CEO C.C. Wei also sees the opportunity to announce plans for a Japanese factory, teeing up the company for its third overseas production base after China and the U.S. Plans for the Japanese facility call for an investment of 800 billion yen, equal to roughly 202.2 billion NT dollars. The factory will be 100% owned and focused primarily on 22 to 28 nanometer specialty process platforms. Ground is expected to be broken in 2022, with mass production slated for late 2024. Well, the sports administration picked about 500,000 winners in its sports voucher raffle on Thursday. Each winner will get a voucher that can be used at sports facilities as well as for purchase of tickets to sporting events. Already this week, raffles have, held, um, have been held for five different government vouchers, with some winning numbers coming up several times. But officials say that each participant is eligible to win only one, uh, only one set of vouchers each week, meaning only the first win of the week counts. The Sports Administration stimulus vouchers are back again, this time online. At the voucher raffle on Thursday morning, Prince of the Pommel Horse Li Zhikai picked the first lucky number. Eleven lots were picked in total. Winners are participants whose ID number ends in 13, 19, 55, 71, 93, 97, 381, 453, 644, 734, or 985. 
That's 500,103 lucky participants who will be notified of the win by text message starting 5 p.m. Thursday. The vouchers will go live on October 18th. Using them on site is as easy as showing a QR code at the till. They can also be used for online shopping by entering a number code at checkout. I sometimes also watch baseball. If I get a voucher, I'll buy tickets to see a game. So if you all go to a game, who knows? You might run into me. Last year, the sports vouchers were good to buy items such as sneakers or fitness wear. This year, the vouchers can only be used at sports centers or to purchase admission to sporting events. So far this week, five kinds of government vouchers have gone out in raffles, and some numbers have been picked more than once. For instance, the number 97 was picked at both travel voucher and sports voucher raffles, in addition to the number 597 at the agricultural voucher raffle. In 98, was picked at the raffles for both travel vouchers and for the culture ministries vouchers. The numbers 32 and 453 have also been picked twice. But don't celebrate all these wins too soon. Each person is only eligible to receive one set of vouchers each week, for whichever raffle was held first. Any repeat wins after that will not count. If you didn't win today, there are more chances coming up. We'll be giving out 1.5 million more sports vouchers over the next three weeks. More raffles are coming, giving everyone the opportunity to win up to four different kinds of vouchers. If your number didn't come up this week, don't be dismayed. More opportunities are coming in the next few weeks. A major chain bookstore is about to launch its first hybrid supermarket outlet in Nehu District, Taipei. The store will feature books as well as groceries in an attempt to woo locals. Meanwhile, larger grocery chains are struggling with the impact of the pandemic, revealing a possible shakeup in the industry. Decorators are hard at work inside this mini community outpost of a chain bookstore, which will start a trial opening for the public on October 27th. This chain bookstore likes the looks of the crowds and the advantages of Nehu. It's launching its first hybrid community store in a 100 ping location, selling not just books, but also fresh vegetables straight from the growers, in an attempt to woo local residents into group sales of groceries. In this neighborhood, there's no bookstore and no supermarket. Now, both will come together in one for the first time, allowing customers to browse books and pick up their groceries in one go. They'll even use virtual shelves, where you can browse before a store assistant adds your choices to a group purchase. A full range of fresh daily groceries will be on sale. It's more convenient for me if there's fruit and vegetables, because there are few supermarket-type stores around here. I'll take my child over to look around the books, and then I can buy groceries. I think that's convenient. Lots of stores are hybrid now, I think. Sometimes supermarkets have some books or things. Actually, that's probably the only way to survive. Locals are excited about the opening. Both the brick-and-mortar store and the online mini-mart on the cloud will offer a convenient stop for daily necessities. The business is moving to a smaller consumer model, offering high-quality toxin-free produce in small quantities as a way to differentiate itself from larger rivals. It plans to open 100 such local stores in the next three years. Meanwhile, hypermarts like Carrefour and RT Mart are in crisis, with reports surfacing that they could soon be off the market.
Well, one of Taiwan's favorite Korean dishes is a seafood jeon, a bit like jjimbing or Taiwanese crepe. Now, one Korean chef is bringing a more authentic twist on the dish to her restaurant in Taiwan. Zhao Huiyuan moved to Taiwan at the age of 18, but she still remembers the authentic taste of her childhood. And now, alongside her daughter, she's serving it up to hungry customers. This delicious snack looks like a familiar seafood jun, but it's actually a green bean jianbing, a meal that Zhao remembers from her childhood in Korea. The green bean kernels are soaked overnight until ready to crumble on touch. Then together with their water, they're mushed to a paste. In go onions, radish, bean sprouts, and wax gourd mixed with diced pork. The pan has to be spitting hot to create that crispy crunch. The jianbing are flipped and the chef checks there is no burned edges before adding oil for the last few flips until the pan is crackling. If there's not enough oil or the pan isn't hot enough, it sticks easily and you can't get it off. Nearby sits an enticing kimchi hot pot, spicy with a hint of sweet. The kimchi is first fried to bring out the sweetness of the cabbage. The kimchi is made in-house, of course. This big-bone vegetable soup simmers for half a day before being served up. Vegetables, tofu, and clams all benefit from the slow cooking. Frying them brings out the sweetness of the cabbage and gives the stock more flavor. These Korean rice rolls are unique too. Inside, you'll find veggies, fried beef, and pork, all waiting to dance on the tongue. When I arrived in Taiwan, everything was unfamiliar and the environment was different. In Korea, we used to eat more cold-dressed salads. I couldn't bear too much oily food. Ms. Zhao is a third-generation restaurateur. Now with her daughter, she's bringing the authentic taste of her childhood to Taiwan. The Sika deer is beloved for its distinctive spots. Herds of sika deer in the Japanese city of Nara are world-famous and attract thousands of tourists a year. But did you know Taiwan has its own little Nara? The Matsu Islands are a popular tourist spot this fall with a different surprise awaiting visitors on every island. A herd of sika deer graze atop a seaside cliff. Tourists can hardly believe their eyes. It's incredible. We came specially from Taipei. I've never fed a deer before. I think it's great to come here to Dachiu to have a close-up interaction with the deer. Hi. These wild deer are totally unafraid of humans. Dachiu Island was once a military station. Since that outpost withdrew, it has been uninhabited by people. But over 100 sika deer remain, thriving and creating a little Taiwanese nada in the sea. If you take a slow walk around Dachiu, a big circle like this takes about two hours. The sky is so blue, the breeze is lovely, and the air is wonderful. Even though you haven't left the country, it feels like you have. The Dachau Ecological Trail is a 500-meter amble. The deer may approach if you're lucky, and when you're ready, you can hop onto the water. A tourist gets on a stand-up paddleboard, then paddles away from the shore. He finds his balance and soon gets in the groove, standing up confidently and navigating the crystalline waves. I think it's really fun. In the shade of the mountain, it feels really nice. Looking at Mazu from on the water is totally different from what you can see from on land. 
Here at Mabiwan Coastal Park in Beigan Township, paddleboarding instructors teach visitors the moves before they head out. The township planned a new water sports promotion program last year, but it was postponed due to the pandemic. Now it's full steam ahead. These visitors hop on a boat to travel from island to island, enjoying the miraculous natural scenery as well as learning about the military history of the area and getting a tour of the traditional Mindanese architecture. Whatever your interest, Mazu has something for everyone.